doing? Everybody feeling good? Man, it is great to see you guys here. Welcome to City Hope. Um, welcome everybody over Mobile, Foley, Bay Manette. Um, can we give all the guys at home in prison a big hand? Because they're watching with us today too. And then everybody that's watching online, um, is so glad that, we are so glad that you guys are with us today, that everybody is together. One church, multiple locations all over the place. Um, and that never gets old, being able to say that. Absolutely incredible. Well, man, I'm so glad that you guys are here. We are in part four of our series, Stronger. So far, have you guys been liking this series? It's been good, been helpful? Good, good. Well, um, before I get into part four of that, I do just real quick, ladies, um, if I can add just a little bit to that, I have no idea what chickens to market has to do with anything. I don't even know what that means, but you do need to get a ticket, um, pick up a ticket, maybe buy a couple extra while they're at that cheaper price. Um, I'll just encourage you. Maybe there's a neighbor. Maybe there's another soccer mom that you hang out with on Saturdays. Maybe there's somebody that you work out with at the gym. I don't know, but maybe there's somebody in your life that throughout this whole talk of unique conference, maybe they've been on your heart a little. This is the time. This is a great opportunity to give them something, get them to come hang out with us for a couple days because it's going to be a blast. Every week as we plan this thing, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's only a couple weeks away. So ladies, get your tickets. Don't miss that, all right? There will be ladies in the commons, so at every campus, you'll be able to, to get your tickets right out there. All right, so part four of Stronger. We have talked about, the first week we talked about Stronger in our faith. We've talked about stronger in our devotion, and we've talked about stronger in meditation. It was last week. We talked about thinking on the Word and conversations with God and that sort of thing. And so this week, I want to kind of take it one step further, and we're going to talk about being stronger in our passion, um, stronger in our pursuit of God. Ultimately, we're going to talk about being stronger in worship. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that a lot of you guys are probably familiar with, James 4, 8, that says, draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. And it's such a powerful little bitty verse, right? This powerful verse that when you get that thing inside you, when you understand it, similar to what we talked about last week, that when you really get it and you understand that, that the more I pursue him, the more I go after him, the more he's with me. You know, the more he spends time with me, that he's literally in my presence. Um, and I don't, I don't know about you, but I could sure use a little bit more God in my life, you know? Most likely, if we had a little bit more God in our life, our week would be better. Can anybody say yes to that? Right? If God were a little bit closer to you, you may have a better month, potentially a better year. And then what if you had a better life? What if you had a better marriage? What if you had better kids? What if just the presence of God were with you all the time? And that's this, this pursuit, this passion, this drive, this this idea of worship, that we're after God. Now listen, I understand that um, our great state is, um, is in mourning today. I understand. I get it. I really do. Um, so my goal is to overcome that. Okay, so here's what I need you to do. I need you to buckle up, buttercup. Okay, because, okay, because you brought all that in here with you. Okay, and I know you're down. I know you're depressed. I know you're upset. I know the thoughts that have been going through your head. I get it. But for the next 30 minutes, I need you to dig down deep. Okay, I need you to put a smile on your face. I need you to try your best to listen. That's all I'm asking. Okay, just listen. Okay, that's it. And I know we're in a state of mourning. I get it. But today, today is the day 
okay, for you to buckle up. You can do it, right, everybody? Mobile? I know there's some diehard fans over there. You better buckle up. All right. It's interesting because we are actually talking about this subject, um, because we're talking about worship. And an interesting thing is every single one of us, every single person that's listening to me right now is an exceptional worshiper. Like by nature, you are an exceptional worshiper. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you're really, really good at worship. Incredibly good. And some of you are thinking, no, you ain't never heard me sing. Okay, you ain't never seen me try to clap to that song. I have seen you, and it's terrible. <laughs> but it's okay. Okay, but here's the thing. We're all exceptional worshipers. Every single one of us. Because worship, simply defined, Louis Giglio says this, that worship is our response to what we value most. It's our response to what we value most. So it's the thing that we put our time, our energy, our focus, um, our resources, right, toward is the thing that we worship. So it's all a part of us. We're all really, really good at worship. It's the reason why some of you are down today, right, because of the amount of passion that you have for that thing that you love. And when there was a defeat, you, that passion becomes mourning. It becomes sadness. It becomes something that you wear. Why? Because you're so passionate about it. Right? We're all really, really good at worship. For some of you, it may not be a sports team. Like for me, sports is not necessarily my thing, but there are things in my life that I just really, really, really love. Okay? For some of you, it could be possessions. It could be, you know, the, the new toy. It could be a better boat. It could be a better vacation spot. It could be a bigger house. It could be a better job. Right? The thing that you are just focused on that consumes your attention, your focus, everything is just, I got to get a better career. I want to make more money. I want to climb the ladder. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, whatever those things are, we're so focused. Some of us, it's just, it's our family. The number one thing in our life that we're so passionate about and focused on is our family, our kids, our spouse, whatever that may be. But ultimately, all these things, we're worshiping. Because we're giving them our love, we're giving them our response, we're giving them the best part of us, our attention, our focus. But the really cool thing, and let me just put everyone's mind at ease because you're, you know, kind of sucking the air out of the room. All of that's okay. All of that's okay. And you may have never heard anybody say that in church before, but all of those things that you're passionate about, they're okay. As a matter of fact, you were designed that way. God built you when he designed you, when he took out the piece of paper and he drew the blueprints of you. He designed you with an innate ability to worship. Now, his goal was that you would worship him. But in that, there is that, that desire to want to love stuff and to want to have hobbies and to want to, you just get attached to things, you get passionate about things. It's the way we're wired. The problem is, is when those things in our life take top spot from God. That's when we get into trouble. It's like this. It's almost like those things in our life will leapfrog God. You ever played leapfrog? Come on now. <laughs> Talk to me. Right? Okay, we're, we're not mourning anymore. We're happy. Okay? Listen, you know you played leapfrog, right? And you got all these things in your life, and it's a list. And at some point, and maybe it's a season of the year, Right? There's a few months that Saturdays become really, really important. That, right, that something will leapfrog over God in the priorities of your life, and it takes that top spot. 
That's where we get into trouble. But ultimately, we were, we were designed to worship and to love. God just desires to be in the top spot of your life. He wants you to love him with everything that you are. He wants you to be passionate about him. Another definition of worship that I love is worship is love expressed. Worship is love expressed. That's when you love something and then you just express it. So here's the thing. It's not worship if it's not love, and it's not worship if it's not expressed. It's not worship if it's not love, and it's not worship if it's not expressed. You have to have both. I've heard so many times, well, I worship in my heart. No, you don't, because love is something that you express. It's through time, attention, focus, all those things, that's how you worship. You express that love. So I want to look at this. I want to look at this, uh, this, this definition, and I want to break it apart a little bit, and I want to really define what it means to worship and what this looks like in our life when we express love. You know, there's that super passionate expression of a football game, right, where you just go bananas crazy, Right? Or maybe, maybe your thing's music, right? And you go to the concert, the ultimate band that you've been wanting to see forever. You, know, you finally got U2 tickets. You finally drove all the way to Atlanta to go to see U2. And you're singing to the top of your lungs, right? And you're just going bananas crazy. Or maybe Beyonce is your thing. I don't know. Right? But, but whatever it is, you're in that environment, you're in that place, and it's like the world could just, just disappear because I'm going to sing some single ladies, right? I'm going to sing with everything that I've got. And it's this expression that, man, I love this so much that I don't care. I'm going to express that love. So I want to talk about this expression a little bit because it's not worship if it's not expressed. It's not worship if it's not expressed. And it, this expression looks different for all of us. You know, some of it's depending on your background, depending on how much you know, how, how long you've been around, how much you understand. But for some, we've, we've kind of lumped this thing into it's just the appetizer before the meal on a Sunday morning. It's this 20-minute segment of a service that, eh, it really just kind of gets me to the main reason I'm at church. And that's not it. There's so much more to it. As a matter of fact, God wrote a book about worship. Like, that's how big of a deal it is. God actually wrote a book about worship, and it's the largest book in the Bible, which tells me that it's a pretty big deal. And the book of Psalms is this incredible book, 150 chapters, 100 and whatever chapters. It's huge. It's incredible. And it's all about worship. And it's all about the way we express our worship. And there's some really, really incredible things, and some of you guys have already started making up, you know, well, this is the way I express, and this is what this is, and why I do that, and why I do this. But I want us to just take a second and look through what the Bible says about worship. What does the Bible actually say? You know, what's, what's happened in a lot of our churches and a lot of our world is that Saturdays look a whole lot more like biblical worship than Sundays do. And it's this really interesting thing that we've kind of made this place more of a reverential place than a celebratory place of God's love and God's goodness and God's grace. So let's look at these things real quick. One of them, one of the expressions of worship is simple, clapping, right? Most of us can clap. Um, I've seen quite a few of you not clap, you know, you'll, you do this, this pose, 
right, the whole time. But the Bible is very clear that clapping is a part of our expression of worship. It's a big deal. Listen to this. Clapping expresses our joy to the Lord and our victory over the enemy. Like in worship just a few moments ago, there's those, there's those lines that we sing, and you notice the, the audience would just erupt in applause. And you're like, I, did I miss a cue? Or was there a prompt somewhere that I was supposed to catch because I missed that one, right? No, it's not that way. It's just there's something that we're seeing. There's something that we're doing that's like, oh, man, that's, that's how God worked in my life. That's, that's my story. That's how God's alive in me. And, man, I'm just going to clap right here because that's good stuff, right? It's this, man, God's had a victory in my life. God's done something in me. And so there's this, this moment of I just I can't stand it. I've got to clap. I've got to do something. I've got to express my love for him. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy, for the Lord Most High is awesome, the great king over all the earth. That leads me to the second one, shouting. That scares some of you. <laughs> Same verse, right? Shout. Shout because God is good. Same deal in the middle of a song. I mean, there's just sometimes I can't help but go, yes! Right? Or just a good Jesus. And everybody's going, woo! Right? You just can't help it again because, man, it's like the word and the things I'm singing and God's alive in my heart and there's this, there's this passion, there's this connection, and I just can't help but shout. It just it has to come out of me somewhere. I'm expressing it. A third one is singing. Right? Some of you guys pretend to sing. Some of you just move your mouth. But listen, you got to actually sing. You got to actually sing because singing is a big deal. It's an act of faith. Whether you can sing or not, whether you can hold a tune or not, it doesn't matter. Listen, I know you're worried about who's sitting around you. They can't hear you. I promise you. And if they can hear you, they'll move. <laughs> it's okay. They'll just do that. I got to go to the bathroom thing. Right? And then they'll go two rows behind you and sit down. Right? Listen, sing. It's, just, it's a natural part of worship. We've got to sing Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Belt it out. Sing it out. Um, the fourth one, kneeling or bowing. Right? Just a moment of, of humility and just submission to the king where you just feel those moments of those tender moments of worship, those tender moments maybe in your prayer closet at home or when you're spending time at home with God and you just go, man, man, God is so real right now and so evident. I just need to stop and get on my knees and, and be at the foot of the king and talk to him and learn from him and grow in him. Right? Kneeling and bowing is such a big thing. Psalm 95, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God. And we are his people, the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Right? Kneeling and bowing is such a beautiful time. You'll even see people in service sometimes do it. Same deal, man. There's just that moment when God's presence come over you and you just, I don't know what else to do but just get on my knees because God is so big and God is so incredible. The next one is this, and this one may get some of you. The next one is lifting your hands. You know, depending on the tradition that you've come out of, lifting your hands could be a really big deal, right? But this is a very biblical thing. Lifting your hands could easily mean surrender, right? The old, the old picture of a guy with a gun and you go, ooh, surrender, my hands are up, right? That old picture. Or the picture of, of just victory. 
right? We scored a goal. We, we, you know, we won the game. We won the war. We did something great, and our hands go up. Why? Because there's celebration of victory. And that's that same thing. When God does something great in your life, you just can't help but throw your hands up in the air like you just don't care. Right? And you worship him with everything that you've got, with all that you are. Psalm 63, 4, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will raise my hands to you. This is a good one. Number six is dancing. This terrifies some of you. And it should, especially you white boys. <clears throat> Psalm 149, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Listen, my goal in, any, in all of this is just for you to take a step forward. Like, like if right now your baseline is just kind of like this, then I just want you to do this, right? Or, or if, if tapping your foot is all you got, then just work it up to the knee. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got this, okay? Or, you know, just, you know, hit a little dad dance, you know? Just that good old dad dance. Just, that's it. I'm gonna keep it right here. I'm gonna keep it smooth. I'm gonna keep it good, right? Right, I mean, that's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not looking for no whips and no nay-nays or nothing, okay? <laughs> but when you start feeling it, and again, when you just kind of start feeling that foot tap, I'm just saying, just take it to the next step. Because there's something so beautiful in it that when you understand that you're expressing your love for God, there's freedom in that. There's beauty in that. You're lifting him up and you're giving him everything that you are. In that moment, you're expressing it to him. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid. The seventh thing is this. The seventh expression is music. Music is this beautiful and this unifying harmony where we all come together and the instruments are blasting and we're singing to the top of our lungs and everything comes together in unison and it's just this beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. When we're all in alignment and we're all marching in the same direction and we're all worshiping him in the same way. I love Psalm 150. This entire chapter sums up the book of Psalms. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There is not one thing about that that tells me that worship is quiet. Right? There's a celebratory nature to worship that it is clashing of cymbals. It is strumming of guitars. It is this celebration that we are here to all in unison lift up our God and worship him. There's nothing more beautiful in the body of Christ than that. Then when we as a body are singing together and worshiping together and expressing our love to God together, it's a beautiful thing. But so many of us, just read through seven things, so many of us are held back. We're hindered. We're not worshiping. Even in your personal lives, when you're alone, you're not. And for some, it may be your traditions are holding you back. For some of you, it could just be, man, the way I was raised, the way I was brought up. It could just be, man, this is, this is what it's supposed to be. And unfortunately, so many times we get more locked to our traditions and the way they interpret worship than the way the Bible actually interprets worship. Because I just read all those things, and a lot of you just said, yeah, I knew that was in there, but I didn't think we were actually supposed to do it. <laughs> like, I was raised in church. I'm not an idiot. Right? I knew that all that was in there, but I didn't think that was actually for me. Right? But it is for us. 
How many, how many of us are just old mindsets, old traditions? It's like the movie Footloose, right? Right? You grew up in a town where dancing was not allowed. And here I am trying to free dancing. You know, we're trying to free the expression of worship, right? It's not what you think. It's what the Bible says. It's not what you were taught 20 years ago. It's what the Bible says. It's not what feels right to you. It's what the Bible says. That's what the expression of worship should look like. There's a story, um, and most of you guys know this story. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and um, this is right before he was crucified, and the people loved him at this point. This is before they turned on him. And he's coming into the city, and it's just this incredible picture of worship because all the people have got palm branches, right? And they're waving them in the air, and they're doing their thing, and they're throwing them on the ground. They're singing. There's dancing. It is straight-up crazy town. These people are going bananas, celebrating all the miracles, all the blessings, all the goodness of God. And Jesus Christ is coming into the city. He's riding a donkey. He's walking on top of all these palm branches. And this is what happens. It says this in Luke 19. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, some of those that were attached to old thinking and old traditions and old ways of doing things, they came to the crowd and they, they came through the crowds and said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. This is not how we do it. This is not how we do worship. This isn't right. He says, rebuke them because they're doing this wrong. And I love Jesus' response. He says, I tell you this, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. He says, don't tell them to stop. And even if you do tell them to stop, I like it so much, I'm going to make all the inanimate objects around us start singing. Because that's how much I like this. That's how much this is worship. That's how much this, this is what I want from you. I want people to treat me this way. All the rules, all the regulations, all the stuff is not what I want. So maybe it's tradition that's keeping you from expressing that worship. For some of you, maybe it's pride. You know, maybe it is that I'm worried about who's watching me or who's looking at me, and it just kind of keeps you locked down. I mean, maybe even on the inside, you're screaming, and maybe even on the inside, you're like, man, I really want to lift my hands, right? And you're even afraid to go to this level. Who's watching me? I don't know who's watching me. And just what if you did this? Oh, my goodness. Listen, nobody's watching you. Nobody's keeping tabs on you. It's a pride thing. Let go of that pride and move on. And then some of you may just not know. You just not know. Either you're new to the faith or, you know, whatever, but you just you don't understand this. You don't know. And everything that you learn or have learned is, is from the guys on the platform teaching you or from the neighbors, the people sitting around you or, or maybe in your small group or in conversation or in relationship, and you're just picking this thing up. And maybe some of this is like brand new to you, and you're like, oh, so that's what that's all about. This expression of worship is huge. It's such a big part of what God wants in our life. He wants us to express it. Now, I want to move to the first part of that definition, the word love. Because it's not worship if it's not love. You can have all the expression in the world, but if there's no love, it's not worship. And this is the most important part, because none of that matters unless Jesus has your heart. None of those things even come close to mattering if he doesn't have you. You know... The word love in our culture has been extremely um, minimized. 
right? And it means a lot of things. It's just a very common, very flippant word that we throw around. But God wants so much more from you than just love, right? Just this simple form of love, you know, like you love Nutella or whatever, right? You know, I love a PB&J or whatever. Like, totally different. It's a, it's a much, much bigger love. And years and years ago, a guy by the name of Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And, you know, for some of you couples, you may have read it. And it's an incredible book. And basically the premise is this, is that every single person has a love language. There are five different ones, and you have one. And in order for a relationship to go to new levels of depth and intimacy, you have to love that person according to their love language. So it's this ultimate act of service and servanthood to say, I'm not going to love you the way that comes natural to me. I'm going to put that aside, and I'm going I'm to get out of my, my comfort zone, and I'm going to love you according to what you want, what you need, so that you can respond and feel the love that I'm giving you. Does that make sense? Listen, I believe that God has a love language. And so often we make the mistake of trying to love God according to our love language. And we think that we, in our infinite wisdom... Right, know how God wants to be loved. And so we choose to love him in the way that makes the most sense to you and me, you know, little human beings, right? I mean, we're smart and all, right? But we say, God, we know what you really want, so allow me to love you the way I love you, because really probably that's better than what you want anyway. But God is very, very clear in what his love language is. He's very, very clear in how he, he wants to be loved. Um, and it, again, it goes, it goes to another story. There's a story in, um, in the book of Mark, and uh, another religious leader comes to Jesus. And you've probably heard this story before, but a religious leader comes to Jesus. And at this time, they were following um, 440 commands. Okay? They didn't just have the Ten Commandments, but they had added on, and it was 440 rules and laws and regulations that they were trying to follow. And so this guy comes to Jesus and a little bit of a test, and maybe he's just frustrated. Maybe he's just done with it all, and he's tired. It's tough. How in the world am I supposed to follow all these rules? How in the world am I supposed to do this? And he comes to Jesus, and he goes, so, hey, listen, if you're really so close to God, then why don't you tell me what the main thing is? Because I'm drowning in all this stuff. I'm drowning in all these rules. I'm drowning in all this stuff. Just, hey, shh, just give me it straight, man. What's the main thing? Like, where should I point my life? Where should I focus everything? And Jesus doesn't say, well, dude, you just got to do them all, man. Buckle up. I mean, come on. He doesn't do that. He actually answers him, and he gives him an incredible response that, to me, is one of those things that you just you have to grab hold of. You have to get this. You have to understand this. Jesus says, man, if you don't do anything else, at least do this. Mark 12, 29 says, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now listen to this. He says, love the Lord your God. Okay, just a single word love. It's not quite big enough, so he takes it a step further. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. He says, listen, clear out everything else. Clear out all the things that you think you got to do and, the, and the, jump, the hoops you got to jump through and all the rules and regulations and what you're supposed to do. Listen, just, just, just clear all the weeds of that for just a second and focus on this. And here's the secret to Christianity. This is what Jesus said. He said, this is the secret right here. If you will focus on loving your God with all of your being, every single part of you, then things will begin to fall into place. He said, don't fall in love with the Bible, fall in love with the God of the Bible. 
Don't fall in love with the act, the expression of worship. Fall in love with the God that you're worshiping. He said that's where it has to start. It has to begin in this ultimate love. And it takes your relationship from I have to to I get to. You know, in church and all the things that we do don't just become a, a box to check or something that we have to do. No, it becomes part of us. I mean, it's like, man, I get to do this. Man, I get to, I get to get up every single morning and spend time in God's Word. Why? Because I love him, man, and that's the way I talk to him. That's the way I communicate to him. That's the way I get to know him better. I love him so much, I want to do that. I love him so much, I want to express my love for him in worship. I want to make decisions based on the word of God because I love him so much. The secret to Christianity is in the love, the way you love, loving according to God's wants, not our wants. Changes everything. So real quick, so we're going to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, which is our affections, right? We're going to be affectionate toward him. One of the most amazing memories of my parenting life so far is the very first time Bella, who's almost nine, the very first time she came into the room without being prompted and just said, Daddy, I love you, and climbed up in my lap. I'm going to cry right now. What is wrong with me? No. Right? I'm like a puddle. Like, oh, my God. I mean, there's just nothing like it in the world. And that's what he wants from you. He just wants those moments. You just walk in the room and go, God, you're so amazing. I love you so much. Now, he didn't just write on a wall. He didn't have to just do something miraculous. You just, man, you just love him so much. You're just affectionate toward him, and you love him with all of your heart. And the heart is the hardest thing, right? The heart is so much easier to love God with our hands and with our head. But it's so much harder to give him our heart. It's so much harder to be vulnerable and open and raw with him. But that's what he wants. He wants all of you. So what do you love the most? What's the thing that's taken that top spot that you love so much? The second thing in that that he talks about is he talks about your mind. Love him with all of your mind, your thinking. We talked about this last week, man, that your mind just actually thinks on him. You know, there's nothing better than your wife calling you in the middle of the day, and you pick up the phone, and you're halfway going, man, I'm nervous. Am I getting a grocery list? Am I getting, am I adding to the honeydew list, right? And you're like, just get to the point, woman. I need to know. I'm, I'm in a hurry, right? And then she just says, no, I just want, wanted to let you know. I'm, I'm just thinking about you, right? There's nothing better than that, right? What an incredible feeling. And that's what God wants. He just wants that relational thing where you just go, hey, God, what do you think about this? Hey, I'm about to go into this meeting. What do you think? Or, or let me just process this. Let me talk this out loud, but intentionally to you. I'm actually going to speak this to you. I'm going to think about you. I'm going to include you as a part of my life. I'm going to focus on you. Right now, we're doing a whole bunch of, um, I, we've got a little boy on the way, our first little boy, going to be here in a couple weeks. And, um, and so we're doing a whole bunch of, you know, room shifting and moving around and furniture building and all this stuff. And so we got a whole bunch of Ikea furniture. Any Ikea furniture folks in the house, right? It's this assembly stuff, right? You get it in a box, and then you do all the hard stuff, right? You put the thing together. Well, if I don't stay completely focused on that, on those directions of what I'm supposed to do, halfway through, man, that thing's going to be a disaster, right? I've got to stay focused on him. I've got to stay focused on what he wants for me and his heart for my life. Um, so ask yourself, man, what do you think about the most? Where's your mind? 
You know, where, what are you thinking about? You don't have to think about him 100% of the time, but he should be at the top of that list. He should be the thing that just throughout your day, man, you're just like, you're just thinking about him. God, you're good. I'm so glad. I mean, there are times that I will go through my day and I will have a conversation with God just as, as every day sitting next to somebody talking about whatever. Why? I mean, it's just, it's life. It's part of life, and that's what he wants. He wants that conversation. The third thing is this, with all of your strength, with all of your abilities, with all of your talents, with all of your giftings, with everything that you do well and you do with your hand, give it to him. You know, completely do it for him as unto him. Colossians 3. Um, Colossians 3, 23. I love this. I love this verse, especially in the message. It says this, servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The soul and servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. That's for real, y'all. Every single thing I put my hand to, I'm going to do it as good as I can do it. Why? Not for the guy I work for, not to make more money, but because ultimately I represent him. I represent him. And in everything I put my hand to, I'm going to do my best because I want it to give him glory. I want it to lift him up. I want it to honor him. I want, I want him to get all the glory from that. It's all about the heart. All of this stuff comes back to right here. The expressions and the worship and all this stuff, man, if the heart's not right, okay, if the heart's not right, then all this stuff is in vain. Your focus, your strengths, your heart, everything has to be focused on him. And the way I want to end today is maybe a little bit different. I'm going to have the band come out. Guys, come on out at every campus. Um, we're, we're going to end today singing and worshiping. We're going to put this into practice a little bit today. And what I want to encourage you to do is this. I want you just to begin right now just thinking on the goodness of God. I want you to think about what he's done in your life, okay? I know you're kind of shuffling a little bit. These guys are coming out. Just stay focused for just a second. I want you just, real simple, man, just think about this week. How has God showed up in your world this week? You know, maybe you didn't write anything on a wall, but, you know, maybe some things aligned and you saw the blessings of God on your life in a couple different ways. Maybe I don't know, you know, something happened, a kid was blessed, or this happened, or a kid, you know, didn't get sick when, you know, all of his classmates did, or whatever, and you just go, okay, that's God working, man. Every bit of this is just God. Just, just think about the goodness of God, and then I want you to ask yourself, why don't I worship him more? You know, why don't I express, what is it that's keeping me from expressing my love to him? What is that thing that's stopping me, man? Is it, is it my personality, <laughs> Right? Is it that tradition thing? Is it my pride? Is it, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm a spectator and, and that's my worship. I just come in and watch everybody. That's not worship. Okay, God wants to see you pursue him. That's an expression to pursue, to run after, to draw close to him. That's an expression. I'm running after him. I'm going after him because I want him close to me. I want him in my everyday life. So go ahead and stand. Every campus, all over the place, we're going to stand up and we're going to sing this together. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to sing. And I just encourage you, go ahead and close your eyes. I just encourage you right now, just, just begin to focus on him. Lord, we give you our attention and our focus and our heart right now. And God, we ask that in this place your presence would fall, God. You've promised us, God, where we are, where we're lifting you up, where we're seeking your face, that your presence is. And in this place, we ask for your presence, Lord. God, that through these moments of worship, that it would not be about us, 
God, that every single thing in this room points to you. Everything in this room is for your glory. Everything we do is for your honor. Everything we do is for your pleasure. And God, we give it all to you, and we surrender our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's sing.
inches of your love will 